Hello, welcome to episode 58 of the Unrenowned Podcast, where we talk about Siege, what we like about Siege. What we don't like about Siege. I'm Ryan. I'm Chris. Why are you being seductive in your intro? Well, it's because you said when I started talking, you're like, are you actually going to talk that level? And then I thought it'd be funny if I just talked a little bit quieter, like throughout the episode, just went a little quieter. That'd be hilarious. And you had to keep turning it up, and then all of a sudden it got really loud. <laughs> piss you off. Okay, so How to today... piss right off and edit, post-edit. <laughs> yes. Today, uh, we are actually recording with a much longer gap if than usual. If you just like, interrupt him throughout, <laughs> he has to edit the whole thing. Because then we're recording on Saturday and post on Friday. So basically a full week. So basically, if anything has happened in the past week that we don't mention, that's why. So now you know. But we'll cover it next week because something definitely absolutely will happen because why wouldn't it? Well, something here's the thing. Something can happen. Something happens in the two days between Wednesday and Friday when we normally record. So if something does not happen within a week of when we're recording, it is a miracle. Yes. Like literally a God sent miracle. Uh, but it's definitely going to happen because we already have big things happening with Jackal right now. Uh, and it's very unclear what these big things are at the current moment. It is the most confusing change I've read in my life. So we'll talk about the updates to Jackal that are coming. Um, and then we've got a few Reddit posts from r slash Rainbow Six. And uh, then we will do Operator Spotlights. We are spotlighting, should we say now or keep it a surprise? I never know. We're spotlighting an FBI operator and a JTF2 operator today. Dun, dun, dun. If you've been keeping track, you know who we've already done. Um, So we'll do that. And then we'll do listener questions from you, the listeners. Stop flicking your nose. (laughs) It was an accident. Uh, Yeah, I also have a surprise, Ryan. I love surprises. And it will be revealed shortly here to come, just after we talk about this jackal change. And these are the posts. Okay. So, Jackal. There is a... <laughs> Do we even talk about the change? Because we don't understand it ourselves. I know. And the thing is that by the time this comes out, it probably will be uh, clarified. clarified. So so we won't go too deep into the confusion. But uh, in the test server on Thursday, was this when this came out? Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, they put out on the test server an update to uh, Jackal. Like Thursday. I think it's Thursday. Yeah. Um, so here's here's what the patch notes say, and I'll read it word for word because because there's a lot of confusion around us. So they say, we're aiming to make the information Jackal can get more effective and nuanced, but increase emphasis on cost-reward decision-making when Jackal decides how to use that information. Bullet point one, the number of pings Jackal receives from a scan now depends on the age of the footprint. Footprint emoji. Okay, yes. <laughs> when... When Inox is active, the color and the highlight around the target print will depict the age of the print. Highlighting and scanning a colored print will return a varying number of pings based on its age. So uh, if the footprint is red, which means it's less than 15 seconds old, you'll get five pings, which is more than you get now. Yeah, you get, It's one more. Is that right? You get, right now you get one plus four, I believe. Okay. So that I was assume is it's what it same. is currently. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, when, it's, when it's yellow, then that means it's 16 to 30 seconds old, and that'll be four pings. Green footprints are 31 to 60 seconds old, and that's three pings. And then a blue footprint, 61 to 90 seconds old, is two pings. So now you've got a nice staged, uh, tiered system there for um, what you'll get out of footprints based on their age. So that's good. Once the scan is completed, Jackal has to decide between keeping the information to himself or sharing it with his teammates. If he chooses to keep the information to himself, he will be able to track the footsteps 
and trail of the scanned operator without using his scanning. If he chooses to share the information with his teammates, he and his teammates will receive a ping on the enemy and the footprints will disappear after the scan. So this is the piece where the confusion is. Um, Let's table it for a second, go through the rest of the changes, and we'll come back and talk about uh, what the confusion is around this thing. Jackal can no longer either see or scan footprints from below. Uh, Replace Jackal's breach charges with a claymore. Added a highlight VFX to indicate which footstep is being scanned. So it's just a nice little circular outline around the footprint you're aiming at. So it's not hard to tell like which one you're scanning. Which is very nice. That's nice. Um, Added a scanning progress bar. Okay, so these are the updates that were... They were supposed to be out on the test server on Thursday, but then apparently they didn't actually... Like the, the update came out to the test server and... Jackal's changes weren't working or weren't there or something, so they pulled it down, and now it's not currently live, so who knows? It will probably come out Monday or Tuesday. Um, But, okay, so getting back to confusion here, here's the thing. They put a video of how this works, and there is, like, the only difference that we see in the video based, like, from what's currently in the game is just, like, the fewer number of scans or pings if he scans like an older footprint, right? Yeah. Um, and also that when you scan the footprints, they immediately disappear. Whereas now when you scan the footprints, they remain. You can continue scanning the same footprints for the whole round if you wanted to. Okay. Here's also confusing. So they said added a progress bar, which I assume means the progress of you scanning the, the scan. footprint. It's already there. Yeah, that, that's that been there for a long time. It has the end yeah, of the I, I swore it was there. And I was like, maybe it's not. And I'm crazy. And then I went back and watched Icy Cat's operator introduction video. And sure enough, it's there at the very beginning. Yeah, it's that's So are they still talking there. about that? Or are they talking about they added something else that's not in the video? I have no idea. Uh, anyway, so that's you keep confusing going. also. Okay. Um, so yeah, in the video, that's really the only difference we see is that the footprints disappear immediately and the the number of pings, actually, I don't even know if we see an example of the number of pings varying, but we can assume that that's the case. Yeah, we think we do see different colored footprints from the same operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we don't see anything about a prompt to choose to share or share with your team, the pings or to keep it to yourself and maintain the footprints. Okay. So, so that was a little confusing because the way it's worded again says once the scan has completed, so after he's scanned, Jackal has to decide between keeping the information to himself or sharing with his teammates. So that sounds very much like he's making a like an in-game decision with a right. prompt, right? Right. That's what it sounds like. But the video does not yeah. show. Okay, so fast forward to people asking about this on the Reddit post, and Ubi Naughty responds, and uh, it only gets more confusing. Because, so he says, uh, Ubinati says, if he keeps it for himself, he can continue to get pings and follow the trail of the footprints of the operator he scanned without having to keep scanning. And you are prompted whether to share or not share. So he's very clearly saying there that you get a prompt, but this prompt does not show in the video. Uh, Somebody else said that. I'm trying to find, there was another comment from him that was equally confusing, or I guess... I guess what's confusing about it is that he's being very, uh, very clear and like very straightforward about how it works, but it's different from the video. And he's never at any point saying like, Oh, this video is wrong. Like this video is from an older version or anything like that. He's never like contesting the video. So it's very confusing. Yeah. I I'm, 
I I also think it's possible that the red print is actually more pings. I think it may have been it is three plus one now, like or one plus three. Like you get one as soon as you scan it, and you get three more. But I feel like I remember being. I went back and looked at the other change, and I can't. Yeah, I can't remember what it is in game. I remember they, it was also confusing when they tried to describe that yeah. with the other one. Uh, so okay. Anyway, so here's another comment from Ubinati. You scan it and then decide what you want to do next. If you don't share it, you can follow that trail without further scanning. If you share the ping location with your team, the footprints disappear. Is it still unclear? And yes, well, it's not. The what what you're describing is not unclear, Ubinati. What's unclear is that the video shows something completely different from that. Yeah. So like So maybe he's saying when he says scan, maybe he's saying like he's using the word scan as like a you're scan like you're looking at it like scanning not like actually like analyzing the footprint i mean that would be like extraordinarily poor communication yes like from a community manager because like scan in this context has a very specific meaning so like i can't believe that that could be the case like it seems like there must be some miscommunication between the team that actually implemented this and the community managers is my best guess or or else this video is like really outdated. But the video has a date on it, which is ten nine, and that's like before the date of the test server patch notes. So that I would assume that date is when they recorded it. Yeah. It's anyway, but we shouldn't get too much into so this because by the time people hear this, it's probably already been cleared. Yeah. And it's probably live in the test server as the like the version it's going to See, be. But he says if he keeps it for himself, then he can continue to get pings. And follow the trail of the footprints of the operator he scanned. So then that's even that that's worse playing against Jackal. If Jackal can keep scanning your footprints and not lose a scan because he didn't share it, so he just keeps scanning you. No, I I I think he does he lose either way scan. because I, he said before that you only lose a scan when you share it. I didn't see him say that. That's what he. That's what the first once the scan is complete without using his scanning. So if he. So it says he will be able to track, if he keeps the information to himself, he will be able to track the footprints and trail the scanned operator without using his scanning. I I think that just means the footprints will... Without making the footprints go away? without. Yeah, like he doesn't have to keep scanning to keep getting the updates? Like, like, like he, can keep, he can keep following the footprint path, right? Okay. For, like, indefinitely, like you can now. Okay. I think... But again, this whole thing is confusing. What's what's frustrating about it is there are people who ask like specific yes or no questions to the clarifications and they didn't get a response. But then he responded to somebody else with like a big long explanation. It's like, so somebody asked, is it like when he said, and uh, you have the option to share the information with your team or not. Somebody said, is it an additional prompt? Like press F to share. Just a yes or no right there would have made this much, much, much more clear. But instead he ignores that response or that question and responds to somebody else's question, which which is like another small paragraph that just makes it more confusing because there's more words. Yeah, he replied to someone's. It's just so annoying. Like I'm I'm unsure how it works. So he keeps it for himself. Like how does he do this? And then he just like copies and pastes from the original notes. Like yeah, the guy read the notes. <laughs> We're confused, but you're saying the same thing. But clearly. Just scroll down this thread. Like if you if you have a second, just go to this thread and scroll down it and look at it, and you can see how confused literally everybody is. Everyone is very, very, very confused. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, let's let's stop beating this dead horse because again, this is probably yeah, already clear already up by know now. What's going on? But um, but this was very confusing. I will definitely link to that comment thread because holy cow, it is very like frustrating to try to read it. Um, so okay, so that's that. So what do we think about the changes that we do know? So the, what we've proposed before to fix Jackal was always uh, that the foot footprints just shouldn't last as long that they should last somewhere between 45 to 60 seconds instead of 90 seconds. Mm Because 90 seconds, again, that's half of a ranked round. So if Mm -hmm. I just go up to reinforce a hatch and come back down to anchor, now they like Jackal can scan me for the first half of the round. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, And he can scan you. I guess he can't scan you for the full. But he can, like, that will last another 20 seconds. Right. And then it's like, that's over. We're, We're two minutes through. Like, if he scans me at the very last second, and there's also I don't know if it's still there, but there was like this glitch thing where like if you if he's looking at a footprint and it fades away, as long as he doesn't move his crosshair, he can scan that whenever he wants. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was, just, it was just way too long the footprints. I think this is a good clever solution to it. It is because I didn't even think about this like the no. longer they are, and I still think they should be down to sixty seconds and have a similar like you get less pings for how much time is there, but I still think that they should decrease in time. Yeah, so this is this is definitely like a step in the right direction. What the downside is, he get, does become more confusing to use, especially if there is this secondary uh, interface where he has to decide whether or not to share it with his team. Like at that point, this operator is getting very, very like you need to have specific knowledge of how to use this specific operator if you're going to use him, or else it's not going to go well. It seems like, um, and and I don't know where you would get that information, right? Yeah. Because again, like there's nothing really in this game that trains you how to use these operators, especially the ones that are d- DLC operators. Right. So, like, if I'm a new player, where am I supposed to understand when I go when I buy Jackal and I go to play him? Where am I supposed to understand yeah. the difference between sharing with my team and not sharing with my team? If that's a thing. And when how are you also supposed to understand that you get more pings for more time? I just feel like every every operator should have. Like you click on an operator and then their details and it literally shows you like everything about them. Like they yes. damn like everything, how it works. They, it yeah, should they be should... a Wikipedia in the game. Exactly. Uh, like also like you're, you know, you're looking at these footprints and there's all these footprints clustered together and some are green and some are red or some are yellow. How am I supposed to know which one I should be scanning? Like I get that it's red when they're newest because that means the operator's closest. So that means like danger, right? So red footprint. Or it means like red almost going away. Get it quick. Yeah, well, it doesn't mean that. It's the reverse, I right? Know. But, but yeah, how are you supposed to know? Um, or, or like, yeah, like when you're looking at, looking down your thing, you're looking which ones to scan. Do I want to scan green because green means good? Or do I want to scan red? Like from that perspective, it seems like I would want to scan green, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's just like, this is like, I, I like is, is these it the changes. Same? I'm trying to remember when I played Heroes of the Storm if it's the same in those games where like things just aren't explained. But I think they are. I think like when you hover over like some of the abilities, like it literally says numbers and meters and everything. Like I don't think there's any like guessing. I think you don't have to go online and be like, okay, hey, how does this work? Yeah, like I'll say it probably from what I can remember, I think it definitely gives you more information. However, and but like those games are more sort of geared toward the like game wiki crowd yeah. i feel like and like the wikis for those games are much more um 
targeted at like learning how to play an operator or, mm-hmm. or not operator hero or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to like, if you go to the rainbow six wiki, first of all, it's not just about siege. It's about rainbow six going back to the end of time. So if you search yeah. for M four on the rainbow six wiki, you get all these entries for these things that like are not relevant if you're looking for siege stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, it's just like you go to look at Jackal and you get this big summary of who he is, where he came from. And that's like what's put like at the top. Like that's the most important information. Yeah. Which is sort of a silly way to do it. it like it makes sense going back to the older Rainbow games because those are much more story based and everything like that. But now it's like if I'm looking for Jackal on the Rainbow Six Wiki, I'm looking for his stats and I'm looking for how his gadget works. And that really should be the highlighted information. But it's not. Yeah. Uh, because this wiki, I'm sure, is much older than Siege and has already established what it is. So anyway, the, like the weaknesses around the exterior stuff of this game, make it that you don't want to be pushing people out, but they don't have anything in the game to, to meet that need. So it's just, it's like, it's such a bad spot. Um, all that said, I, I like these changes balance wise, right? Like, I think this is really great, uh, to make Jackal a lot less annoying to play against. I don't know if it's going to have any effect for his pick rate or not his pick rate, but his ban rate. I don't think so. Because, like... It still sucks. <laughs> yeah, does anybody else become more annoying than Jackal because he's had this change? No. I don't think so either. Like, <laughs> like maybe Blitz? Maybe? But, I mean, yeah, like, maybe. But I doubt it. Okay, so, um, there's other stuff here for Jackal that we haven't talked about yet. What do you think about Claymore's replacing Breach Charges? It's fine. I, that's fine. Yeah, I actually think it's good for Jackal because I think with Jackal's specific ability, you could be clever and try to set something up with the Claymore. You know, like if you see where footprints are going, you kind of have an idea of where that person is. Then you can like extrapolate, okay, his escape route, if I scan him, it's probably going to be this. So I'm going to put a Claymore here and try to like force him into this Claymore or something like that. That seems like something that is feasible to happen, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that works well with his specific ability. Uh, other than that, I think we covered everything else. Are you good with the number of pings per time here? Like, yeah, yes. Like for the time I am fine with the number of pings. Cause like, that means it's, it's an anti roamer tool at that point. Then it really is like, if you were there recently as a roamer, you're getting scanned more. It forces you almost to go back to site and yeah. be safe but I still hate the fact that you can get scanned from 65, 70 seconds ago. Yeah, that's definitely a really, really long time. Um, but I do like that the first drop-off point for the number of pings is 15 seconds. That's pretty short. Yeah. Right? Uh, so so I like that that it's sort of this staggered approach. It's 15 seconds, then 16 to 30, and then it starts jumping up, right? Then it's 31 to 60, and then 61 to 90. So those first two drop-offs come within 30 seconds, Yeah, which I think is really good. Um. Yeah. Overall, I think this is good. I think it'll make Jackal less frustrating. Hopefully, we can get some clarity on what the deal is with sharing with your teammates or not. It will be interesting though if there if there is really a thing where only Jackal gets the pings and his teammates don't. Like, I I wonder if that's true. Will they communicate that to the person being scanned at all? Like, do you know that only Jackal can see you? Oh, good question. Yeah, that's another question. Because if not, then I think he remains just as annoying because you have no idea that it's right. just one person that's seeing your pings. 
Well, they talked about this with lions change anyways. They said, like, even if they made it so only lion could see outlines, it's still annoying. Yeah. Because you still don't know where he is. Right. Anyway, um, more on Jackal next week, I'm sure. Uh, other things in this patch note that was good is they fixed that players can use a third-party hack to change other players' operators. <laughs> <laughs> so that hack is theoretically soon to be fixed. Yeah, that's funny. It is pretty funny. Okay, did that cover the patch notes? Yeah, did, did, did they mention anything about a deployable shield glitch at all or no? Nothing that I saw. Um, no indication of when this will come to the live build and also definitely no guarantee that Jackal will work the way that, that we're seeing him now, right? Uh, we will know more on that for sure in the next week. Okay. Uh, should we do your Reddit posts? Yeah. A bunch of Reddit posts you wanted to share. Let's do it. Which one's first, Ryan? Uh, the first one. Which is? First one first. Well, this happened today. This is from you slash G Cox. This one's good. G Cox D. So this happened today from G Cox D. (laughs) So basically what happens in this video is Goyo goes and puts up a Goyo shield next to a wall that Kavera is reinforcing. She'd already started reinforcing and he like throws it down. And so she finishes the reinforcement. And Goyo gets himself killed. Ella runs into it. Looks like she purposely gets herself killed. And then Kavera gets kicked and banned from Siege for 30 minutes. Yeah. It looks like it was on purpose, too. Yes. Like, now that I'm watching it, it looked Definitely. at first I thought it was an, ac- an accident. But now that I'm watching it again, it looks like it was actually on purpose. Yes. Because she's reinforcing. And he comes up, purposely puts it there. It doesn't move after it explodes. And then Ella walks right into it. she dies pretty quick. Yeah. And then she runs into it and, like, stands there. Yeah, and then it moves. So I didn't realize that... And bans Kavera. That a reinforce... I mean, I know reinforcements being put up can destroy gadgets, but I did not think that you'd be able to put something like a Goyo shield close enough to get yeah. that hitbox of the reinforcement going up. Like, well, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and also that, that uh, the reinforcement setting off the Goyo shield makes it so that the person putting up the reinforcement is responsible for the Goyo shield being detonated. Like that's crazy. It seems like it, like there should almost be like a, like there should almost be like a reinforcements. Like if it kills someone somehow, like it's almost like siege where it's like the, or halo where it says like the guardians killed you or you were killed by the guardians. Mm-hmm. Like something like that, where it just says yeah. like you were killed by whatever they want to put, but like not by the person. Cause you can't purposefully kill someone by putting up a reinforcement. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just stupid. Yeah. Like, uh, I didn't even think about this level of griefing, but that's, like, impressive. That's a whole it, it's other... Just, it's just another testament that, like, the trolling will always find the lowest water point, right? Like, yeah, water will, will go, go to the lowest point, and so, like, it just doesn't matter what you do. They're always going to find a way to troll people. And this is why I think you should just start banning people for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. You should. Or at least, like, just give them a one-week ban. Be like, stop doing this crap to our game. Like, this is not cool. It's not funny. Stop doing it. Well, that's the thing is, like, they should put a... Th- I am telling you, bring up the news thing at the very front when you open Siege that says we're going to start banning for exploiting and for griefing. Like, actually banning and then actually start freaking banning people. Yeah. Anyway. They should also add to their code of conduct, like, when... 
these YouTubers make videos on how to do glitches or whatever, they should add that to Code of Conduct, but that's unacceptable for Siege to show how you cheat in the game. Yeah, they should. Okay, <clears throat> give us your other Reddit posts coming from you slash Das is Walter 96. You slash Das is Walter 96 says, this is a good one. It says, the backlash against censorship in Siege was super important. So if you don't remember, about a little while, three months ago, four or five months ago, Siege the China was, thing? Yeah. How long ago was that? This was like... That was like a year ago, actually. I, I think it was like, like it was December. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, a very long time ago, Siege decided to move into China. When they did that, they decided they weren't going to make two versions of the game. They just wanted one version. And so because of that, they had to censor the game for the, like the Chinese laws in China. And they figured it doesn't matter. We'll just do it for everyone mm-hmm. because then we don't have to have two versions of the game and two maps and everything like that. We don't have to worry about it. So they did this. People freaked out and was like, oh, the Chinese communist government is coming after us. You can't censor us in our country because of Chinese communism, like whatever. So Ubisoft, after all the backlash, like took it away, made two versions of the game, made their job harder for them. And they like went with it. Now... It's coming up again with like all the stuff going on in like China and stuff. It comes up again about saying how they're proud of the community, but they do say Breaking Disc was stupid. Yes, it was. And says like the Chinese government wants to like rule everyone, have everyone bend to their will. Um, censoring siege wasn't just about like my immersion being gone. It was bigger than that. It was standing up to China. Okay. First of all, we did not stand up to China at any point in this process. Did we stand up to China? Nor did China even probably know that players were upset about censorship in different countries that wasn't related to China. Yes. I almost guarantee you the Chinese government could not care less, nor did they know that we were mad about this. Right. Because it had nothing to do with China. It had to do with Ubisoft. Right. It was Ubisoft's decision to censor the game and to make it over everyone. It wasn't China's decision. It wasn't China trying to say, if the game comes here, you have to censor it for everybody. It was just, if the game comes here, you have to do our laws in our country with the game. Same as literally every other country. Right. That's the same if, everywhere. Yeah. If you want to have a product of any kind in any country, you have to follow their rules and regulations. If mm-hmm. you want to have an internet website in anywhere in Europe, you have to follow their new stupid uh, regulations. I can't remember what it's called now. Oh, gosh. It's so stupid. But if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. They So like last year, they had this new regulation, this privacy protection stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's all these regulations about how you have to be able to contact the company and they have to have a way to erase all of your data that they've ever collected, which basically forces websites and or companies to invest tons of money into building tools to erase data just based on people's whims. So that's fine. If that's what you're, you want your rule to be, that's fine. But now that means if you want to go to Europe, you have to do that thing, mm-hmm. right? Nobody's crying about the communist Europeans for, you know, or like the yeah. the authoritarian Europeans for doing this thing. I mean, I'm sure people are, but it's the same thing. Right. And it's like, we're, we're not, and we're not saying at any like point, like the Chinese government GDPR. is great and communism. Huh? GDPR. Yeah. It's called the GDPR. Sorry. And like communism's awesome. And like communism, like we're not saying that. We're just saying we didn't stand up to China. We stood up to Ubisoft. Yes. We stood up to a game developer yes. and the developer. So that was good that as a community, we stood up to something that we didn't like. And the developer changed it and said, okay, you know what? Fine. You guys don't like it. We'll change it, which was dumb in the first place. But we did it and they did it. So that was good of Ubisoft. 
but we did not stand up to China. So we can't act like we took on China and took them down. No, we did not. And then we somehow set a precedent for what's happening no. now. No, like, we did not. We had nothing to do with China. It didn't have to do with them. It had to do with Ubisoft. <laughs> like, it's just funny. And then so, people are talking about, oh, well, fun fact, all the pros are okay with it. Like, duh, because it makes the game bigger. It makes our prize pool money bigger. So they don't care. They realize, like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Let's, anyway. let's just take a second to distinguish between the Blizzard thing and the Siege thing. So uh, the Blizzard thing, obviously, is what brought this all up. If you haven't heard mm-hmm. about this, basically what happened was a Hearthstone player, a professional Hearthstone player, was being interviewed. I think it was on a Blizzard-sponsored, at a Blizzard-sponsored event or on a Blizzard-sponsored stream or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And he, he, like, said something in Chinese, I think. He said something about, like support the the hong kong revolution or whatever revolution of our time or something along those lines and after that happened blizzard uh banned him from competing for a year this is a professional player mm-hmm. banned him from competing for a year and decided to withhold his prize money that he had won so they owed him money and were not going to pay it out yeah okay and and then as i'm not i haven't confirmed this but i heard something that they also punished the two Hosts yeah, that they, were they were fired. Him, yeah, which is ridiculous. Um, okay, so so the the nuances of this, Activision Blizzard is part owned by Tencent, which is the giant Chinese corporation that owns everything. Yeah, um, including part of Epic, part of uh, all of PUBG. Do they own PUBG's? Uh, I'm not sure. I think so. Uh, but they own tons of stuff. They they have holdings in all kinds of things, not just video games. Anyway. So so Blizzard is uh cited this this rule in their terms of service that you can't say as a professional player you can't do or say anything that would offend part of the of the community which in and of itself is a ridiculous rule because that essentially means that you cannot speak. If you can't say something that may offend yeah, part of of a worldwide community, that just means you may not speak. Yeah. So like that's stupid. Uh but anyway, that's what they cited Everybody got in an uproar about this, and rightly so, right? Because they're censoring this guy's freedom of speech. Um, and I don't know where he lives. I don't know the whole story behind all of it, right? But uh, they are going out of their way, singling him out, censoring his freedom of speech. I don't think that China was coming after Blizzard and saying, hey, I heard that Hearthstone player said yeah. something. Please ban him. Like, they went out of their way to do this. And obviously, I don't know all the politics that are happening behind all of this, right? And who, like, what businessmen are talking to who or whatever. But this is, like, and and obviously, like, the Hong Kong Revolution, that is clearly a fight for human rights. Right. Right? Like, we should be in support of. Mm -hmm. And Blizzard is an American company. Activision Blizzard is an American company and should be in support of these things. Yeah. So that's all ugly. And, like, I think they've come back and reversed it now or whatever. And Oh, have they? Yeah, like partially or something, or or they've shortened his ban and they're paying out his winnings or something like that. Okay. Um, I don't want to get too into this because this is political and this is not a political show. But that is one thing. And then, on the other hand, Rainbow Six or Ubisoft wants to release Rainbow Six Siege in a new market, which is China, and China happens to have these rules that you can't show depictions of skulls and mm, knives, like or knives whatever. and blood stuff on walls yeah and i don't know that any of that necessarily is due to communist control as much as it is is due to like their cultural norms yeah um and i can't speak to that very much because i'm not very familiar with china but from what i understand that's just their cultural norms so 
Ubisoft decides, okay, we want to release in China. We have to remove these things from our game. Let's just change the icons in the game, and then we're good to go in China. Boom, bang. It costs us 20 hours of developer time, and we're good to go in China, right? Yeah. And then Siege players lose their minds over we're bending to communism, which is silly, like, as you just described, because no, we're not. Ubisoft is making a change in their game so they can release in a new market, and it's the most minor of things. Like, mm-hmm. you're not changing any operators. Uh, you're not changing anything that people have bought skins-wise or anything. All you're changing is icons in the kill feed. It's, like, so silly. Yeah. There's some, uh, like, operator icons and then, like, a couple, like, art on the walls. Yeah. But nothing nothing game-changing. Again, and what we said is, like, nobody would have even noticed most of this stuff had even changed if they hadn't said anything. They mm-hmm. were being transparent about it. So that's, like, props to Ubisoft for being transparent in the first place. And also props to them for listening after there was an uproar, as even though the uproar was unjustified, in my opinion. Point being, like, they have, they've just, like, changed icons randomly before they've changed operator icons and like they change the, the gadget icons stuff all the yeah. time for no reason they and just it's change very annoying. all the time and it's like oh i don't like that change but whatever and they could have just done that and nobody would have known but they were transparent about it so good on them and like i don't understand if if you don't like it sure say you don't like it but it's not about like communism being forced on us that is not yeah. at all what was happening here so it's just silly and anyway on this side ubisoft decided okay it's just not worth the bad press and the uproar and all this stuff we'll just make a separate version of the game. In the end, that's going to cost them more money, which means less cool stuff for us, I yeah. would assume, right? Like, So, yes, these are not the same thing. And to equate them is just silly. Anyway, so that happened. If you want to talk more about it, message us on the Discord or just leave us a bad review on iTunes. Because <laughs> Apparently, we're pro-censorship commies. We are pro-censorship commies, according to one iTunes reviewer. <laughs> that's my favorite review if you want to counter that review go leave us a five-star review <laughs> please do all right now that we're done talking about china <sighs> and how nutty that whole thing was i'm glad i got that all out yeah that was that was good i will say like i i don't i do blame blizzard for like the craziness that they went to into like banning the play and everything i wouldn't have thought it was crazy if they did some sort of like like you can't you can't talk about political things while you're on a live blizzard stream you just can't do sure. that and some sort of like punishment and ban them from the, the next event did. yeah sure that would have been fine i'm like yeah you can't say political things on yeah stuff like that you just can't do it and like i would understand that it's the nfl has the same exact thing you can't say political things like on as you're standing on the nfl podium you're talking about the nfl they have tons of rules for the players what they can and can't do they get right. fined tons of money right if they break those rules because you do represent the brand yeah right and the brand like Brands are averse to uh, to conflict. They just don't want anybody to say anything because it's safer. It's Yeah, it's safer just to be middle of the ground. You don't know where we stand. It's so much better for literally everybody. And so, like, again, I wouldn't mind a small punishment, like banning next event. But the amount they went to, that's where it was like, that's not cool. That's way not cool. It shows That shows, like, open opposition to what's going on, which is ridiculous that your company would even think about doing that. So, anyway, now we're not talking about that. You ready for my surprise, Ryan? Give me the surprise. So I did some work. I went to the play day and I went over some of the streams and went over the scoreboards and I'm still going to do a little bit more work on statistics, but I have some fun statistics for you. Okay. So are you ready for who had the most amount of kills in the play day, in the community play day? Uh, yeah, this is over all... Wait, what is this over? Over all the matches and everything that was played. So who had the most kills? Who? Just hello. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had the most kills in the whole play day. I also had the highest score out of the whole play day. I just oh, wanted to say good that. Good job. Um, most assists. 
actually wait, goes to... Wait, stop. How many kills did you have? 31. How many did the next person have? 28. That was Leahy Giblets and Vale Re- Rebirth. Rebirth, but Rebirth, technically. They both had 28 kills. They were second. And then assists. You know had the most assists? Just hello. Oh. <laughs> 11 assists. Mace 174 was also tied for 11 assists. And then second place was Everblighted with 9 assists. And then Screw Oddball had 8. And then the, they all go after that. Deaths. Most deaths is... Obviously, these are going to be people that played through all the rounds because right. that's just how it works. 23, uh, that's tied with Brunswicker and OptiLols. <laughs> Good job! And then for the people that like <laughs> stayed to the end, Avail Rebirth had Rebirth, Rebirth had the least deaths at 12 deaths compared to everybody else. Okay, you want to know who had the worst KD ratio, Ryan? Sure. You. <laughs> I did not. Yes, you did. Oh. Ryan played one match, went one in five. Well... Did you re- include the match at the end, the final boss match? No, I did not, not include, include the final match. boss match. Okay, because just... on the final boss match, I want to say I was on top of our team. Ryan did well on the final boss match, Thank but you. he went one five in his in his match. He act technically six sizes below you because he's zero and two, but it was a tough match. I'll tell you that Ryan went one and five. So best KD ratio goes to Vale Rebirth, going twenty eight and twelve. That's over a two point KD, like two point four or something like that. Nice, Ryan. Do you want to know how many kills? happened yes 284 total kills with guess how many deaths 284 no wait <laughs> no 260 how do you how are fewer kills deaths than kills i don't know that doesn't make any sense there can be fewer kills than deaths does it not make sense no it doesn't how do you oh. get a kill without somebody dying? No, it's it's because there's one match where I didn't take the enemy team because there was no point. Oh, okay. There you go. So let's not talk about that. There were, there were 284 deaths as well. <laughs> Guess how many assists there were, Ryan, in the whole play day? Um, 97. 108. Close. Mm, thanks. 108 total assists. Anyway, I'm also going to go and do some like operator statistics and see how many operators are picked and see how it compares to like just regular siege wind deltas and stuff wow, you're really getting into this oh yeah i want well, i want to see it'll, it'll be interesting to see like statistics of like middle ground players compared to like high like platinum and diamond players or like pro league players and just see how it's different mm-hmm. but anyway that's some fun statistics from the play day and uh clearly i have the most kills so <laughs> i don't know what that means but <laughs> most kills and most assists team player highest score team player i don't know good job good job yeah. okay should we do some operator spotlights Let's do some operator spotlights. Okay, so we said we would do an FBI operator spotlight. Chris, do you have an FBI operator spotlight? I have an FBI operator of whom I will make a spotlight of. Their name is Eliza something. Elijah? Eliza. 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 Eliza, do you know what her last name is? No. Cummings? No. No. That's a real person. <laughs> That's a real person. Elijah Cummings is a real person. <laughs> That's what I'm... Eliza something. That's Ash. We're going to spotlight on Ash. Ash! This is what she sounds like. When I was little, my Savta taught me that silence was a woman's best garment. But I have to admit, I never really took her advice to heart. So if you go on YouTube and you search for, like, why play Ash... There's a couple of videos and they all say like literally 
pretty much the same thing. There's one video that's actually pretty cool, that's, which is Nyx from Dark Zero on the pro team. He's an Ash main. He has like the second highest opening kills in all of North America um, in the Siege Pro League for like this last season. Um, and then he gives some like insights on Ash and how you should use her. And basically, like if you go and I'll go over like her guns and everything real fast. But if you go and you look at like why Ash, it's always she's an entry fragger. She gets kills quick and it doesn't matter if she dies. Mm-hmm. Like those are like the three biggest things is you go in and get kills fast. And then if you die, it's not a big deal mm-hmm. because you didn't lose anything. Yeah. Um. so as far as like Ash goes, so she has primaries, the R4C and the G36C. The R4C has a 559 DPS. That is the gun that removed that the ACOG was removed from because yeah. it was nuts. Um, which did that need to happen? I don't know. But and then you have the G36C, which has a 494 DPS, and it has the ACOG on it. So people still try to debate of which one they want to use, and it has to do with what the map is and what you think the objectives are going to be. Um, if you're going to see longer hallways, or you're thinking about doing longer engagements you're obviously going to want the acog otherwise you're going to want the r4c and it's not like you want to give up the r4c for the g36 just for the acog because the like the or as far as like D, the dps goes like it's not like the g36c is so much like steadier than the r4c and it has a lower damage that's worth taking because r4c just has higher damage it's just as steady as the as the g36c so there's really no like reason to go g36c other than the fact that there is an acog and right. if you want to use the acog right she has the M45 pistol, the same one that Thermite has, the good FBI pistol. Um, and then she has a 5.7 USG or UCG, whatever that is, pistol. Um, and then her gadget is the breaching run. That's the famous shoots long distance and breaches open a wall. There's basically no drop at all. It can be countered by Jaeger's ADSs. Yeah. Underrated gadget, in my opinion. Yeah. I, it's very, very good. Um, flashbangs and breaching charges are her secondary gadgets there's literally zero reason to pick a breaching charge which i don't i wouldn't say that it should be replaced by claymores because i think that makes her too powerful that she can put down a claymore before she goes and rushes in like potentially get like a stupid kill later on the round so i think it's good that she has breaching charges um but you clearly want to pick uh flashbangs because what you can do with them is burn an ads so if you're if you're planning on playing ash in the way that you're going to hold a longer angle or make some a hole in a wall that you're going to peek through and like try to get um, cheeky kills off of. You want to be able to throw flashbangs in first to make sure that your breaching round isn't going to get taken by an ADS because that's huge. Mm-hmm. But if you lose two flashbangs real quick to an ADS, burn it, and then you can make that hole and then do something off of that, then that's significantly better than losing one of your breaching rounds. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, also second, this Nyx, the Stark Zero player, does not think that the R4C was the best gun in the game. He thinks that the F2 was better, even when it had ACOG. Hmm. Which a lot of people like had mixed opinions on that. A lot of people thought Ash's gun was the best, and then the F2 was after, and then when the ACOG was removed, they switched to the F2. But he thought the F2 was always the best gun in the game, which I think is a good argument. It, it's it is a good argument, and I think like the differentiating factor between the two is really the operator being yeah. three speed versus two speed. Right, it's mobility. Three speed with an R4C is much better than two speed with a F2. F2. Right. But if you could have the reverse you'd probably take the F2. Oh, yeah. If you could have a three-speed with the F2, that'd be nutty. That'd be real nutty, Ryan. Nutty bananas. Um. Okay. So, yeah, her, her whole thing, she has mobility. She has a great gun. She has really great breaching ability. Um. So she's three-speed. So are Capitao and IQ, which is, this is something that Nick's touched on. The reason why you pick 
Ash instead for an entry fragger for that role is because if you lose Capital, you lose IQ, which are like operas that you can really use at the end of the round or just throughout the round in general. Losing Ash, like you lose that breaching round, which really like you didn't need in the first place. Like it's not like you needed that for some strategy, likely. But it's also it's like she she's just as fast, she has a smaller head. <laughs> and you you lose like the biggest thing, like you lose that breaching round, it's not a big deal. Like Okay, so I mean that seems like a very easy argument to poke holes into because it's like okay, well, let's say that I don't lose the IQ or I don't lose the Capital, then I have a better gadget than the breaching round. Yeah, but you're entry fragging. So you're going to die. Okay, but so as, assuming that you are going to have an entry fragger, uh-huh. like, I don't think that's a good argument to pick Ash that, oh, her gadget's less useful, so you should pick her because if you die, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to have an entry fragger regardless. So, like, unless you're but saying I'm stealing Capital from another yeah, player. Yeah, that, that is what's happening, is you're, instead of using, because Capital's not, they don't want him to be the entry fragger. Okay, so... Three speed, other three speed attacking operators, you choose her as the entry fragger because her gadget isn't something that you're going to lose and like okay well we lost our capital gadget okay but still so then you're you're saying like unless it's just for a matter of consistency so for your your entry fragger guy is always able to pick ash and like is not right. having to switch between operators i guess that's the one thing that i would say then that makes sense well it's because like they're using her they they want they need an entry fragger they want someone to be able to get ground quickly into sites and they don't want that person to be capital obviously because you don't want to lose fire or smoke but you want a three-speed operator to do it, and you don't want it to be IQ either because that's also important later in the round. So you want it to be someone that you can afford to lose if they're entry fragging. Yeah, so I guess it's just it's making the assumption that IQ and Capital are wanting to be used by other players. Yeah, well, it's they're just three speeds. They're just other three-speed operators. That no, I know, I know, I know. But like, if if nobody else on the team is picking Capital or IQ, then what's the difference whether or not I pick Ash or oh, yeah, yeah, Capital? Yeah. No, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, you may as well at that point pick. so so that's the and i guess i guess she has a better gun though too you want a better gun on the entry fragger well yeah but that's a different argument yeah so I, I guess what i'm saying is the the i think what he's trying to say is you at you make ash your main so that when it comes time to picking to attacking this objective where they need the capital you don't have to switch off your capital right. main to a different person for your entry fragger role yeah. you just always have ash as your entry fragger true. so it's more it's in a team context it's not in a like individual player context really yeah. as much sure yeah i mean even individually you don't want to be taking capital right from if, someone else yeah, like sure. if someone else might take him and you're going to take him just go get him killed because you want to play a different role with a capital anyway moving on with ash what like like you said do you think the breaching run is like underrated like a lot of people don't use it to its full advantage a lot of people die before they use it and it can be used for so many things so i was watching a pro league match the other day and they they'll use the breaching run to like mask their aggression into a site so they'll use it to make a bunch of noise because it it's loud as it drills in and then makes an explosion as they sprint into the site and take ground okay because they're focused on they hear this noise they don't hear someone sprinting in and like shoot ash is actually in in that corner now but they didn't realize that because they have to worry about this breaching round that just landed on the floor. Yeah. And so it's good to like mask like a aggression on the site. She's good to like, uh, it's good for that reason. It's good also just to make these random long angles that people aren't expecting, especially on defense when roamers come back and it's like, well, there's a hole there now that they were not expecting to be there in the first place. And this, obviously the higher rank you go, this changes because people reinforce certain walls that you're going to want to use a breaching round. I'm going to say no, that, if Ash hits this wall or Zofia hits this wall, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. As you're like in like the even like the high gold or low plat like area, 
there's a lot of stuff that's still not reinforced that should be reinforced as an Ash player that you can get just stupid angles on. Like, for example, um, Cafe Dostoevsky, if you take, like, the piano room, there's, like, that one wall that, like, goes in, like, towards the freezer, right? But then there's the other wall that's just adjacent to it that goes into, the like, the bar area. Yeah. And that's almost never reinforced. It's yeah. just kind of skipped over because people just don't see it. But you can hit that with an Ash from, like, the outside window. And then you can have a, like an angle because great all the angles, way, yeah. yeah, all the way in like through the bar to the objective, and like that's a beautiful wall because it's sort of behind that like shelving and the bar and everything mm-hmm. from the perspective of people who are over on the like on the other bomb site side, right? So if if they're going to try to do a rotation, which is a dangerous rotation anyway, because you'd be running under the skylight. skylight. But if they're going to try to do some sort of rotation through the site, they do, might not even realize that you've opened that. Right. That's that's the biggest thing is like people on defense, you're your defensive walls are changing without you really realizing like no one was there. Right. It just happened. And you hear explosions all the time in siege. Sure. But you're like, Oh crap. That's it. And then there's no cover at that point. Then there's no cover on defense. You've just ruined all their anchors have no cover now. And you can just do huge things like that. It's the same with like when Mira pops, like she has like her mirror window and then she makes like a hole in the other one. If you hit the bottom of that other one, so there's just a huge hole, mm-hmm. it screws up Mira too, because right. then it's not just like a small thing where they can like kind of like throw smokes through bank is a big uh, huge one they put the mirror window and they make like that they make like a half wall where like half of it is open so they throw smokes and like c4 through and stuff yeah you hit that as ash make it a whole thing they can't like be hidden behind a wall as they're throwing smoke or c4 sure. they're just in the open yeah you're stepping out in the open to and do it, it sucks like they don't want to do that now right. they want to have they want to try to shoot instead yeah i actually had a pretty great use of the breaching round the other day we were playing bank uh, they were defending CEO's office. Mm-hmm. I went into stock trading room um, and I was just kind of holding that angle, you know, locking down that hallway as you guys were pushing from square stairs, trying to open up those reinforcements. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I waited for a while. And so I had played the previous round with Thatcher and like I was in the same spot and I, I like ran across and put a breach charge on the wall so I could open into conference room mm-hmm. across the hall and be able to see into there. And it was very, very scary to do it. Yeah. And I knew it was risky, but I was like, if I can get this, that's going to be huge. So then the next round, I picked Ash and did the same thing. And now I'm, I'm safe in stock trading and I can just shoot an, a breaching round across the hall, mm-hmm. open that thing up. And now I can see into conference room. I was able to do another one even deeper into site. So I can like, I can see their rotations as they're trying to like move around and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you you just can't do that with anybody else besides Sophia who has the exact same gadget. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. No, it, that's, that's the biggest thing is ruining their thing. So I think like one thing with Ash is at least try to use those before you die. Like open something up in there. It's like Habana. Like you want to open something. Like if you can just make holes in their reinforcements, if you have a thermite too and there's no like design, like go get these hatches or something, open mm-hmm. some reinforcement wall that just will screw them over. Yeah. Because being a defender, there's nothing worse than being a roamer and coming back to site and be like, oh, that's open. Like that's just the worst thing ever. No one tells you that the garage door is open. You run into the garage like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I just open. Yeah, and you get killed because you just hadn't, you weren't there when it happened. You have no idea, and it's all different by the time you get there. Yeah, another great thing you can do with it because Ash is so fast. Like, uh, if if you get in quickly, or like maybe in the drone phase, you notice that something hasn't been reinforced yet that should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, people are still throwing up reinforcements up to thirty seconds into the round. Yeah. You know. Uh, especially the first 15 seconds. So if you see like some exterior wall that hasn't been reinforced yet, but you know that normally it would be just run out and as quickly as you can fire a breach charge into it and open it up. And now like they can still reinforce it because you can reinforce an, an empty right. broken spot. But obviously that's very, very risky to try to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a really great use for that as well. Yeah. Um, And then as, like moving on as far as like P 
Peeker's advantage go. Ash is huge for that, just being a three speed in the effect. She has a stable gun. You can get that Peeker's advantage, and you want to take advantage of that as Ash. You want to peek the corner and hold that angle and get those shots on, because that's how you get kills as an entry fragger, is using that Peeker's advantage to your advantage. Totally. Um, I think that's all I might have for Ash. I think, oh, drone placement at the beginning of the round is huge. So you don't want to get your drone killed like anybody ever does. Um, you find the objective, you want to find out where you're going to enter because you are playing, if you're going to play that role as an entry fragger, you don't want to take your time where you have to like throw the drone and then check. Like at that point, you've wasted too much time and they're already right. set up. If you can, let's say they're in bank uh, basement and you have your, you want to enter, you want to spawn alley axes, go down blue stairs. So instead of like having your drone outside of going down to the basement or whatever, like seeing if servers is clear, have your drone on square stairs, first floor, so you can watch like the alley access door. Watch it until the action phase starts. And then you know, okay, there was nobody on blue stairs or anyone near the alley access like door that goes into square stairs. Yeah. You can get in there. You can check your drone real quick, check down blue stairs. You can just go down blue stairs and you're there. Mm-hmm. Like you're on it. And if you do that first 15 seconds and you're already in servers, they are not going to be expecting you in servers in the first yeah, 15 the seconds, rush- especially from <laughs> blue stairs. The ash rush can be like, destructive devastating yeah yeah it, it can just ruin a whole team especially if you can get a maestro that's putting up a camera late like that's huge yeah kill a maestro early on that's a really even if you just kill maestro that's a huge trade right yeah and this thing is like if you if you just ash rush and if you just get a quick trade like i feel like that puts that that like gives your team a leg up even though it's now just four four mm-hmm. that gives your team a leg up because now they have to quickly figure out okay who's going to take that person's spot and what that person was supposed to be doing do we even have somebody who has similar utility that can that can handle that role or like and so there's just this like mad scramble to try to fix it everybody's trying to figure out what's going on what happened where'd you die from you know like right. you're just throwing off everything and so i think it gives the attacking team a little bit of a, a leg up and like a, an opportunity to make something happen yeah um you can also like use that breach around to like make a noise somewhere else and then go and go in yeah like if you're uh I mean, banks What's again. A good bank? example on on top floor of bank mm-hmm. on that long, long hall outside CEO. You can like fire a breach on all the way down the hall to the soft wall yeah. next to the elevators, and they just hear an explosion back there, and you're actually pushing it through the closet, right? right. The supply closet. Yeah, which is probably going to have a rotation hall on it. Like, right? You're already doing that 50, 20 seconds into the round. Like, that's just huge. It's a huge thing. Um, I think that's all I have, pretty much, to say about Ash. I think just use the breaching round as much as you can to your to your uh, advantage make holes that they're not going to be expecting um because that just helps a lot yeah i have another thing to say about ash her last name is cohen oh eliza cohen there you go you got it i see a newest her see yeah also ash developed a rivalry with geo operator mira following operation blue orion sure (laughs) so there's that um yeah Ash is really good, especially like if, um, you know, she, she has this, this reputation of being like a lone wolf and just doing the Ash rush and like getting killed, like running into a captain trap and dying immediately. Right. And that happens. Um, and that's part of playing Ash, right. Part of being an entry fagger, especially if you're trying to just get something really quick that can happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but like if you, if you live longer with her and if you are playing like well with your team, like you don't have to be that Ash player. Right. Um, and that's not to say that like that style of play of Ash is bad because that honestly can can get good results. But being able to work with your team and open sight lines for them as they're like 
they're on the other side of of the objective and you're pushing from opposite sides and they can ask you for a sight line. Like that's, that's something pretty unique that most operators can't really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it can be very, very good. So don't sleep on Ash is the moral of the story. No, I mean, never sleep on Ash. Okay. I have an operator spotlight of a JTF2 operator. There's only two of them. They're both dressed in snow camo all the time. The one that I'm doing is Frost. Keep an eye out for contact. Eyes open. Ready for company. Deploying welcome mat. Here's the thing. Frost is not one of the best operators in Siege, but that doesn't mean that she can't be effective. Okay, is that a fair thesis? Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Let's see if I can defend it. Okay, so everybody knows how Frost works. She has three bear traps, basically. She can lay them out. They're really, really easy to see. Um, You can mask them a little bit with barbed wire or whatever, especially if they're the elite skin ones. Those are a little bit harder to see on barbed wire. If you put it on top of a reinforced hatch, that's a little bit harder to see. Like there's, there's some things you can do to try to be sneaky about it. But in general, frost traps are, are not difficult to see. Right. Um, Also, they're pretty easy to destroy. They take a few bullets so they, they, they have far more durability than any other gadget. Right. Besides like bulletproof ones, like evil eyes, obviously. Yep. But like, for, as far as like easily destructible gadgets, they are far, far more durable. Um, yeah, I mean, any gadget, most gadgets are one shot. Yeah, kills. Uh, I mean, most gadgets can or be killed by reinforcements. Yeah, exactly. They can be destroyed by the lightest touch. So, um, so she ha- she has that going for her. Um, and I think that uh, her gadget is actually like built really well in the game you know what i mean like Mm. uh there's other gadgets like bandits that i think like that battery should be smaller or should have some other like because the 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 battery itself is pretty useless outside of this specific bandit trick that he can do um but i think frost is well balanced in its size and how he was not created for when he was made they didn't even think about that this was not a thing that they thought of um so okay let's uh let's go through our guns first and then i'll come back to the welcome mats so she has the Super 90, which is a shotgun. It's a semi-auto. It's pretty good. It used to be amazing. If you played Frost when she first came out, that thing had so much range. It was ridiculous. Everybody was playing Frost and using the Super 90, and she would just mow you down. And it was like... It was like a real shotgun in real life is what it was. Yeah, it was very, very fun. Um, and of course, that doesn't work in Siege, so it was nerfed. It's still pretty good. It's not the best shotgun in the game, but compared to semi-autos, I think it's it's up there. Yeah. Which is not saying a lot, but, you know, it's not to be slept on. Just like Ash. Yeah. Uh, and then she's got the... What's that thing called? Her stupid... Oh, her SMG? SMG-12? No, no, no. That's... Dang it. <laughs> there it is. 9mm C1. Yes. That gun sucks. Yeah, it's very stable. It is stable. But the fire rate is very, very low. Low fire rate, no ACOG. Uh, I think the drop-off is quick, too. Yeah, I... it has a steep drop-off, damage, damage drop-off. Um, it, does, it, it doesn't have a compensator, which you don't need, So, which basically means you equip the extended barrel. Right. So you can compensate for the 
the big drop off. So that's probably why it is that way. Cause I know everybody's going to be using the extended barrel anyway. Um, cause it's between that or the silencer, which nobody uses, but yeah, like this, I think is where frost really struggles. Her gadget is okay ish, but like the real problem is that her guns are pretty underwhelming. Uh, and so you just, you can't really expect to get a lot out of frost from either side, either from her gadget or from her guns. And so right. why pick her? Right. Um, in most cases. Uh, yeah, she has a bulletproof camera and a deployable shield. The bulletproof camera, I think, was a really good choice for Frost. It's good that she got her shield back, because I think at one point they removed her shield, right? Didn't she just get the shield back? Just barely? I'm not sure. I'm, look, I'm looking at changes here. So they didn't record when she got the deployable shield back, because in a June 7th, 2018 patch, the deployable shield was replaced with the bulletproof camera. And that was a mistake, because her deployable shield combos well with her trap because right. you can catch people hopping Same on as shield. barbed wire with freaking Kaid's artillery Right. I think she just got this back with uh, with this recent shuffle, shuffle of all the deployable shields. Um, so that's good. Anyway, so her welcome mats. Certain ways you can make them more effective. I mentioned before, I try to hide them in barbed wire, hide them on reinforcements, uh, reinforced hatches. They're harder to see. Um, there's some floor textures that are a little bit harder to see, like uh, the tops of a lot of stairs, especially stairs that are like dark gray that have like kind of a like bumpy texture to them, that can be just a just a little bit harder to see, especially because you're coming up the stairs, you're not really looking at the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that can be a spots where you can trap people. Other than that, there's not really a lot of ways to just obscure them. So what you have to do is make them so people just don't look where they are, right? Which means right underneath windows. Right, right behind deployable shields. Now people know that these, that this, this happens, right? So, right. smart players, especially the higher up you get, they've either droned it out ahead of time, or as they hop through the window, they're looking down and shooting, making sure that they're not getting hit by a frost trap. Um, by the way, if you get caught, caught by a lot of frost traps going through windows, start doing that. Look down at the <laughs> yeah. ground as you go, as you vault, or, or as you swing in, or whatever, and just shoot at it. Even if you don't know if there's one there, if you know there's a frost on the team, just shoot the window, the bottom of the window as you walk in, and yeah. you'll be fine. Like 99% of the time, you'll kill it. Okay, so here's what you want to do with frost. You want to hide her traps in the strafe angles. So if I'm, if I'm the attacker, and I'm walking through a doorway, once I get through the doorway, I'm not going to keep walking straight into the room, right? I'm right. going to start strafing right or left and try to get into cover into a corner right you don't want to be in the middle of the room obviously so the best place to put these are like just in like the most convenient strafe path when they walk through that door um so like one good example is on canal that sort of main top uh third floor i guess now it's second floor right yeah second so floor. confusing the the control center objective they always breach that one wall, right? And they come in and there's that little tiny room. Yeah. You can't plant yeah. in that room. Yeah. You have it, to get up to where the computers yeah, it's are. Like, yeah. It's like a half room-ish. Yeah. Sort of this like half finished construction yeah. room. Uh, and just past that, there, there's like on the left side of that, there's like a perpendicular wall that sticks out that people are going to walk past and then strafe in front of. So they're going to get right in the corner of the actual objective room. Mm-hmm. Put your frost trap right there because yeah. they're not looking at the ground. No, not at all. They're looking, they're scanning the room. It's places like that. Another really, really great place is chalet on the kitchen objective. Walking in from the main lobby, there's that like, there's that little passageway where you can put two reinforcements Mm -hmm. Two you can reinforce or not reinforce barricades. You can barricade those two doors that are just like right in front of each other. 
on the sides of that, there are like bushes and these little like perfectly like granite, like gravel type floors that just look exactly the same color as the frost trap. So if you lay the frost trap perfectly there, it's like, unless you're looking right at it, you will not notice it. Um, And people always, they'll come into that and they'll strafe into that corner because they're looking for some cover as they're trying to look into the next room, right? Yeah. So like I get so many people on that trap. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's just a few objectives. If you just pay attention to like how you move through the map or how attackers move through the map, You'll just find little spots. It's like this is a really, like a really hot spot as people push this, and if you just put a trap there, you'll catch them. Yeah. Um, another really clever trick is just like stacking the frost traps. Uh, and so like you put one under a window and you put another one right there. So somebody hops in and happens to hit it. Somebody else hops in to pick them up. And they also hit the frost trap, and now you get two people down on it, and it's really great. That that chalet big window. A lot of people do it there, uh, second floor chalet, and then. Yep another one of what you're saying when you hop in if you put one in that corner by that big window that people try to plant in that little corner like as soon as they hop in and they go to the right and plant yeah. you yeah. can put one right there you'll get people too because they're also doing that same like they're and they're gonna like strafe over that corner try to get like a little bit of cover between like that overturned mattress and stuff or no it's a cabinet that's there and you get someone with a fresh mat yeah um one thing I'm sad that Amaro hasn't been a bigger thing because it would be really fun to put frost traps in front of hatches to catch uh, Amaro yeah. It's sad that nobody's picking Amaru. Yeah. Um, okay, but Frost does work well with a few other operators. Obviously, Bandit and Kaid can electrify barbed wire. The trick here is if you... So so the idea is you catch somebody on the Frost Trap, there's electrified barbed wire on top of it, so the barbed wire will just immediately kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds better in theory than it really is because, number one, the electrified barbed wire is a big tell. Right, like, and it's it's drawing attention to itself, which means people are going to be paying more attention to the ground underneath it. Right. Um, two is that somebody down on a frost trap already is probably a kill, unless you're going out and putting them in really random places that your team can't get to. So, like, it's it's not really helping that much to ensure the kill after that. Right. Um, Legion can do a similar thing, and it's a lot better because it only takes one of his what, like, he gets like eight goos throughout Seven. the round. Seven goos. So. One goo that might secure a kill if they land on the frost trap, like, sure. And they're not going to see the goo. It's not going to give away the frost trap, no. and they'll never see it. No. Um, and even if they don't happen to hit it after they hit the frost trap, there's a good chance that the person who jumps in to pick them up hits the goo, and then they have to pull the goo out before they can revive the person. So now you've just stalled them even further and given yep. you more chance for a 2K. Um, so yeah, she has, she has some good synergies there. But overall, my opinion on Frost is she's fun to play because her trap is, it's just kind of silly. And it's really, really great against teams that are just rushing. Like if, if you're just getting dominated by a team that's just not being careful and they're just running in, Frost is a great pick. Pair her up with, with uh, Capkin, Legion, Frost. You'd like just get them all out there. Just lay all the traps out and you can really slow down teams like that real quick. She's, she's not the best, but I like her. And I don't think she actually needs any changes maybe buff her smg a little bit yeah but other than that like i think she's fine where she is her win rate's actually pretty good um and i think what that is the more i've thought about this what we used to say is like oh well the the it's because the players that pick her really know what they're doing yeah and i think like i had in my head and i don't know if this is the same with others or it's just me that like um pick rates are sort of like uh it just means like oh everybody always picks ash or whatever and nobody ever picks frost except for a few people who pick her all the time which does like i I was thinking about it like mains Mm -hmm. right and it's more like well no probably what's happening here is people never pick frost 
And then when it comes to a good Frost objective, then people pick her specifically for that one objective where she's really good. And that's why her win rate's high. Yeah, because she's never picked other than that. Right. And so I, that's I'm what I'm interested I think. to see what. Oh, I guess Warden already came out, didn't he? Didn't we already see. Yeah, we've seen him on notes, once. And it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Interesting. But I, again, I think that's because Warden depends so much on what the other team does. Is doing, yeah, not just the site. Right? Like, true. especially for Frost, uh, you know, be, Warden's defense too. But Frost, you're choosing where you're going to be. Right. And so you can choose, I want her here where she works. Right. Um, and I think that's really what we're seeing there on those operators that have the the low pick rates, but the high win rates. I think it's that they're being picked when they're going to be good. Yeah. Because these and are platinum only, diamond players. You know what right. they're doing. Um, so that's what I think. Um, and I like Frost. And if you hate on Frost, then you are a sad sack. And also... <laughs> sad sack. She, small brain. She, yeah, small brain. She has a really great elite uniform, which most operators don't. So props to Frost. Props to F-R-O-S-T. Oh, also her... Um, no, she doesn't have a showdown skin. She wasn't a showdown, right? Yeah, she was on showdown. Not the showdown skin, but she has a really great hat. Uh, it's the one that I have on. It's like a like a white, like rimmed hat. Uh, gosh, I wish I knew what it was called. Anyway, come watch me play Siege, guys, and watch my frost skin because it's good. <laughs> my frost head gear. Um, speaking of showdown, though, that reminded me. So you know how I was talking about like the that play that we could do where like shotguns only basically and then higher health. Yeah, you can shorten round time down to sixty seconds actually. Oh. So I feel like it really would be fun. I I can't decide if it would be better to have like very little where everyone has 25 health. And so like every shotgun hits a kill or 200 health where like you still have a chance like up close and personal with shotguns to see what happens. I don't know. But I feel like it'd be fun to have like a play day where it's like very short rounds, very short like plant time and like diffusing time and like higher health shotguns only. So you can have like a really fast tournament, but like it's just shock. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that'd be fun. I think it'd be really, really fun. We should try that. Um, yeah. And I, I like it because it's uh, it's definitely different. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's unique and it's going to be fun in a different way than Siege normally is. Right. But it's also not like we're not playing Siege anymore. Right. Right? Like, it's still about attacking the objective and all that stuff. Like uh, yeah, you can still play gadgets game, and everything and knives, just no pistols. But it's just shotguns. shotguns. Yeah. Yeah. You can pick another operator that doesn't have a shotgun, but then you can't use their <laughs> gun. <laughs> like, if you want Ash for some reason... Because she doesn't have them 1014. If you want Ash, you can use her breaching rounds and her breaching charges and stuns. Sure. But just no guns. Gun. <laughs> Knives only. Okay. Let's do listener questions. LQs. LQs. The big LQ. If you have a listener question, you can ask it to us at r6unrenowned on Twitter or in our Discord server, which you can find by Googling unrenowned discord mm-hmm. uh join us there we have a great community lots of fun talking about siege and other random life stuff through the week this week i had people vote whether it was true that hitmonchan and hitmonlee are top 50 pokemon out of the original 150 would right. you like to know the results yeah well in answer to your question yes they are <laughs> the results however are three votes for yes and four votes for no so everybody who voted no, no, wait, no, that's not true because I had a vote for no to start the votes. So it's actually three to three. Oh, okay. And everybody who said no, you need to be able to name for me 50 Pokemon who are better than Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee from the original 150. I don't think you can do it because 
Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee are middling Pokemon, but they are above average, and I will hold this. Okay. <laughs> this is I, a really random... <laughs> I don't know enough about it to tell you, but... This is sure. a really random stand to take, but it, it came up through a week, and uh, I I believe, I believe. Okay, so that's a bit for listener... I mean, that's not it for listener questions. That's how you can ask us listener questions. Also... Um, you can just ask us questions directly live as we're streaming on Twitch and Mixer and YouTube. I am Ryguy, W-R-Y-G-U-Y. I am just hello with three O's. Oh, oh, oh. So we stream Siege just about every Wednesday night and usually Friday nights, if not some other game on Friday nights. And usually once or twice else through the week that we'll play something, Siege yeah. or otherwise. Um, what you could do if time. you didn't do, because that was a mistake, now it's almost too late, but... You could follow my Instagram to see how Disneyland was for us at just Chris Davis. Yeah, there you go. It will still be there. P.S. Um, if you haven't followed us yet on Twitch, just go do it. Go do it right now. You spent, you listen to us every week, and you have to just like open Twitch and click follow. Come on, help help it's a brother out. Sad. Help a brother out. Right. W r y g u r. Just hello. Three yes. O's. Okay. First question this week comes from Mindsplitter R six who asked, "What ranks are you in Rocket League?" Well, I've been an FPS guy most of my life. Played at the top of the ladder in CSGO. I would definitely say I'm better now at Rocket League than I am Siege. Probably map awareness and game sense issues. Map awareness is so hard in Rocket League. It's very hard. Sometimes um, I get distracted by the fish that are around me in the aquarium map. Yeah, sometimes there's bright lights. Ugh, salty shores. Ugh. That map's the worst. Well, it's not the worst. The worst is all the ones that we've said yeah, we I guess don't want to play. Yeah, Neo-Tokyo and... <laughs> yeah. Um... Confirmed, we are also better at Rocket League than we are at Siege. Yeah. Uh, I My highest rank in Rocket League has been uh, Diamond 1. I usually float more around like Plat 2, Plat 3. My highest rank is Diamond 2. That's where I am on Xbox right now, so that's I'm going to say that's where I float. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, we usually play doubles together. We've also been playing more threes lately, and uh, Rocket League is very good. If you've never played Rocket League, you should just go try it. It's fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, oh, I see. He's saying map awareness and game sense issues is why he's better at than yes. Siege because he has this problem with Siege. Yes, that's what he said. I agree with that. That's the thing is Rocket League, it's all about just learning mechanics and rotation, whereas Siege is way more about really knowing the maps. Right. And like really understanding game sense. Which is what makes Siege great. Right. But also what makes Rocket League great is that yeah. it's just so simple. And like what I love about Rocket League is you don't have to get really really technically good at it if you can just be smart about how you play and just make wise decisions in your positioning and everything that'll get you to plat after enough time yeah so i am evidence no it's it's true like there you can even get to like champion almost without knowing like really really good game mechanics as long as you really understand rotation right and like getting back fast um steel switcher's question asks about the canine operator um the part of his so we answered this question kind of with our last week's podcast but he says what happens if like the dog is out of the picture like then what does the operator bring which i think is a good question i guess that's like all operators that when you lose your gadget yeah i think anything else yeah i think that's similar of all operators yeah twitch when twitch's drone is dead she's just twitch that's true yeah never mind so yeah for some reason i read that and i was like yeah wait that kind of sucks. So you lose your dog, it's over. It's the same with Twitch. You lose your drones, which is the same as a dog. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's a problem. Uh, random question. Are you still keeping track of uh, questions that yeah, people ask I, for the I, questionnaire role? Don't you worry. 
Have you, are you behind? Is that what I'm behind? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, you can earn the podcast questionnaire role in the discord server by asking six questions that get read on six different episodes of the podcast. By the time this releases, you'll already, there will already be more podcast questionnaires. There you go. I was going to do it before the podcast today, but I got the statistics on play day instead. I'm proud of you for managing that one piece. Good job. Thanks. Ryan. <laughs> Clapbomb ST asked, I just wanted to touch on Shedlock's question from last episode as well as Ryan and Chris's answer. The only game giving Siege a run for its money that I can see is Ready or Not, which is being produced by Void Interactive. The game is set to release in Q4 2020 and I think will be very intense and fun game for those of you that are fans of Siege currently. Here's a link to their site if anyone is interested in learning more. Um, So he, he shared this a little while ago about a game that's kind of like Siege. This is the one that's like, I don't, do you remember this where we watched the trailer and it's like it's a lot more realistic than siege yeah it's more like milsim yeah that's what yes. it seems like it is and so i think like that's the only reason i don't think it actually will give siege run for its money is because it's more that realism and milsim way that i think only caters like a smaller group of people um like the arma three type of people that like that kind of game and i think that's the only people that it's going to i don't think it's going to take siege fans yeah, I Honestly. think I'm I'm trying to let me look at this trailer. I'm trying to remember if I'm thinking of the right game. But uh Okay. Well, yeah, it it does look quite a bit like Siege, just like just how it like actually looks. And then when you look at the gameplay though, you can see like the Milsim feel to it. It's it looks like it's much slower. There's none of this like running and gunning stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think you there will be a portion of the Siege audience that is interested in this. Uh, I would be interested in playing this. So, but it, it, I don't think it's um, going to directly compete against what Siege is doing. No. Um, but uh, you should look at it. Ready or not by... Void Interactive. Void Interactive. I think the only problem, honestly, is going to be gunplay. Like, it's PUBG's thing, too, is like, when you're shooting the guns, they just don't feel right. They feel bad. Like, the gunplay just kind of sucks. And PUBG's gotten way, way better over the years. But... It's that same it's that same idea. It's just like when I want to shoot my gun, I just want it to feel like it doesn't call of duty, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of people want. They don't want like the mill sim, like it's hard to aim and shoot your gun feel. Yeah. But and that looks like that's what this game is doing. Like there's a lot more like you shoot your gun, there's a lot more like shaking, and then there's more like when grenades and stuff go off, there's a ton more effects and stuff that happen. And it's like I don't know if I want that. But we'll see what happens with it. Impreza Tom asks, how would you feel about a game mode in Siege where five players on offense fight a predator from the movies on defense? So basically this is like a 4-4, four speed, four armor thing that has <laughs> like metal claws and stuff and just goes to the map and people hunt this down like in the bank map and it goes around and you try to hunt it down. Is Okay, is this a PvE situation or is yeah, this a... it seems like it's a PvE. Okay. Um, so how would you feel about that? Um... I kind of like the idea. It's a it's a whole different take, different. right? Yeah. Um this is I mean, this is sort of in the vein of Outbreak. Uh, you know, where we're we're fighting completely different things. They also what's that game that's coming out that's based on the Siege engine? Um, yeah, it's called Chess. I can't remember. Most of you probably know what we're talking about. No, they yeah, they announced it's... it E3. It looks exactly like Siege, except it's it's basically Outbreak. It's like a survive like a horror survival quarantine yeah quarantine like a team uh wave-based thing i think yeah that's what it seems like um this is probably that's probably closest to what you're talking about here 
Um, but I like the idea of like being able to put these gadgets to use against a different kind of enemy. It's like, especially yeah. a PVE type of enemy yeah. who's like hunting you. That sounds really, really fun. I would like to see siege do some sort of PVE game type. That's not terrorist hunt. Yeah. That doesn't suck. Basically. <laughs> Basically. Fuse McDaddy asks, what is the meaning of life? And the correct answer. Make money. Which people responded with was 42. So <laughs> good job. Those of you who responded 42. I'm very proud of you. 42. Uh, Six Eyes asked, in Siege today, there are no operators with a truly passive gadget. They'll all either put down and place or actively use abilities. In addition, um, there's very few operators with an ability that can be regenerated over the course of a round. This is clearly a deliberate design by Ubi, but do you think that this is a good design choice for the game or do you think that there is other potential? Interesting question. What do you think? I'm so confused about 42. Why? I didn't know this thing existed. It's it's a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, I know. I didn't I didn't even know what that was. Yeah, well, it's a thing. I know. I had to Google it, and I'm seeing all this stuff about the number 42. Okay, did you hear the question that we're answering? <laughs> yeah, I did. I, it's passive <laughs> stuff for operators and how they haven't really done this. Um, yeah, I think... I mean- I think the community is actively against this, right? Because like the closest thing we have is something like Lion's Gadget, where it's it's pushed to buff, basically, right? Like yeah, and Fika like... too. Like uh I think I think that the community does not want something where like, oh, this operator is just extra fast. Yeah. And that's their ability. I mean I I mean I guess well we have like the passive abilities of like Ella where she's not really affected by Sophia's concussions right. in a way. But all of those like, are like what, very secondary. Yeah, what other passive ability can you give to someone even? That wouldn't just make them like that's just stupid to play against. Yeah, I mean like it'd be something like if Warden just wore his glasses all the time. Yeah. Right. Uh I think part of it is it makes it less interesting for the player. Like, I think... Um, There's no strategy at that point. It's just I just picked this operator because it right. makes me better. Right. Uh, yeah. It's so, like Call of Duty perks is what it is. Instead of being an operator where you use gadgets, you're just choosing perks in Call of Duty. Yeah, totally. Like, no one's going to pick anything other than Juggernaut because there's no reason to. Right. Like, stopping power. But, like, you almost never pick anything over Juggernaut. You want the extra health. Yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I think it is a good design decision for Siege because I think that the game is really about making use of these gadgets in clever ways and, and not just right, right. right not just right. having a buff or a perk as you may call it. Yeah. Good question though. Our next question comes from Lazy Egg who says someone asked get flanked for his opinion on Montaigne being able to ride his shield down slopes such as stairs and destroying anything in the way. Um like soft walls or enemy operators. Flanked appeared to be into the idea. I think this would take away from the realism of the game, although there are sci-fi characters in the game. I think such a buff to Monty would be goofy. Thoughts? So what does this remind you of when you think of this? Home Alone? (laughs) When uh, Kevin puts his sled down the stairs? Oh, okay, yeah. But what else? Uh, I don't know. Lord of the Rings and Legolas rides on the shield down the stairs. Yeah, like skateboards down (laughs) the stairs on the shield. Slight slides it into that Urukai's chest. Yeah, he like shoots like three people on his way down and then like 
kicks it into somebody's and doesn't he kill two people when he kicks it into the chest yeah he like he kicks into his chest and stabs him with an arrow and then pulls the arrow back out and oh, shoots right. the yorokai behind him yeah, it's pretty great <laughs> it's like the best scene and then Hell's goes deep and, is so goes and helps gimli oh, i guess he does that and then everyone picks up gimli um <laughs> i don't get which that scene so if you like watch the overhead view of it it doesn't make any sense because like he goes down the river and all the Urukai like flood past where he was, like way past it. And it doesn't seem like the elves really make that much progress to where he was, like to push him back. And so I don't really get how like everyone's picking him up because it seems like he's like way deep into like. It's been a while Uruk-hai since I've army. watched it, but I don't think that it's so much they pushed them back as much as like they fought uh, like a way through real quick to get to Gimli and get okay. him out okay. before he gets trampled to death. Anyway, not that that's about <laughs> Siege, but that's what I think of. I think of that. Um, no, I don't think. I don't think it would be good to have Montaigne yeah, sign down his shield on the stairs. I think Lazy Egg nailed it with it would be goofy. Yeah. Like, there are other things that are, like, not realistic or, right. like, far-fetched, but, like, this would just be goofy. And that's, like, yeah. uh, people already have problems with, like, the skins being a little goofy um, or, in some cases, extremely goofy. Yeah. Uh, so magic. Yeah. <laughs> I love playing Smoke now with my stupid cat head. Uh, <laughs> that's the best playlist. Yeah, that was fun. But yeah, I, I think that's the problem. It would just be too far outside of what the game is supposed to be, like in the actual gameplay. Yeah. I mean, just like it would it would hurt the game because like as a worker, a dog player, Kevera or anyone, like what would you do if you saw Montaigne riding down the stairs? Like you're not going to shoot him. Like let him ride. Yeah. <laughs> like, heck, he's just a boy it's trying just to have funny. fun. You just have to sit there and watch it. He's a point. little French boy. Oh. Also, what would be the purpose? To destroy legion mines and stuff on the stairs or someone on the so, stairs. Okay. So I, I guess the one thing it, I could see is like activating traps as you're like sliding down with your shield taking the brunt of the trap. But like that seems silly. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Rest 17 asked, podcast question, have we heard any word on the new Defender secondary gadget? It was supposed to be a trip alarm sensor, if memory serves me right, similar to a Capkin trap but an audible alarm sensor. So this is the rumor from the, uh, like the, is it the Dokabi video or the Thatcher no, Dokabi thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, what's that called? The short. Yeah, the little short. I, yeah. can't, I can't remember what it's called. But behind six uh, was a, a whiteboard and it had some, you know, a bunch of stuff written on it. And one thing was like an R&D thing about a motion sensor gadget. I don't, do, do we have any kind of confirmation nothing. that it's going to be a secondary? We know nothing about it yet. Okay, but that's what people think. Yeah. People think it's going to be a new Defender secondary gadget. So, yeah, the answer is no. We haven't heard any word on it. Um, I think it would be really cool yeah, as a I secondary gadget. Cool. I could see it coming in the next season. Yeah, maybe. It's a pos. Possibility. It, it's pos. It is pos. GR Mutant says, which do you think is the most attacker-favored map slash objective? Mm. So... Attacker favored. I mean, these are honestly easy. So favela in general. Yes. Anywhere in favela. House also as well, especially in casual, which isn't in casual right now, which sucks. But three minute, 30 second timer, you can just be outside and keep getting different angles on so many different windows on the smallest map. And you can just shoot people down anywhere in house. Um, Clubhouse bar is another huge one. Because so... That one specifically, there's no way to stop that plant that's just on that that like one door. You know what I'm talking about? 
that one door that's on that like bar objective. It's in the other room that has the hatch that goes down to Blue Hall. Clubhouse bar? Yeah. Uh, the bomb site. You always paint that one door with like a montane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like the only way to stop that was like it was with this. What's that room called? Stock trading? No. It might be stock room. Anyway, it has the hatch that goes into Blue Hall. And above it, there's no way to hit the floor above it. So there's no yeah. like vertical play there. Well, no, wait. You, you can, I've put fuse traps above it, but it's not, it's not directly above the door. That's but the yeah, it's not above the door, right? Yeah. There, you can't stop the plant at the door. Nope. And so you just bring a Montana and you can stop it with a smoke or an echo for a second, but that's it. And there's no way to stop. There's just, it's a beautiful defense. Like, I mean, it's a beautiful attack and it's super hard to defend. Um, Oregon Watchtower is another one that's very attacker sighted. Super hard to defend. You can always plant like the one watchtower door almost all the time. Um, the old cafe, kitchen, and bakery was another big one. The old bakery windows, there were so many windows. You could get so many angles from the windows. Super easy to plant like the big door. Um, bank open area is a little harder because you used to be able to plant an open area. Like when you first walked in that window from alley access spawn, mm-hmm. you could plant right there. They changed it where you can't plant there, but you had to like walk into open area to plant, which is still like easier to do, but harder than it used to be. Yeah. Um, and the other one I can think of is the chalet bar and games objective. Yeah. It's pretty easy to plan. That one you yeah. can kind of defend from above, but I mean, basically all the objectives that you never play because at least in ranked yeah. or unranked because defense won't pick it. Right. Those are the more attacker sided ones. Uh, fortress, I think is actually a pretty attacker sided map. Um, I, I will say except for the commander's office, I think that's defender sided. The commander's office is hard. Uh, but, um, as we we actually took some time and tried to like we we went on to fortress and set up some strategies that we were going to use because we struggled out. so hard and then it got taken out of ranked. Um, but after doing that, we started winning on attack a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason is that it's it's such a big map and there's so many entry points to the map that it's like it's hard to get spawn peaked. Um, it's like it's easy to to find a safe way inside and just be able to get a foothold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the objectives are really really big. And there's lots of walls that go into the objectives, lots of doors, and so like you can push multiple angles at once and open up so they have no cover. Um, especially like you know even in the commander's room one that you're talking about, a lot of that there's no cover really in a lot of those spaces. Like that whole one room that's like the big octog- octagonal like conference room type of thing there's really no cover in there besides like yeah. that one thing with the two half walls true um so like a, a lot of the rooms in that building are like that where you can open up a bunch of different walls and then there's just no cover to hide right. behind so that i think fortress in a lot of ways is pretty attacker friendly house obviously is the one that's always seen as attacker friendly just because it's so small that there's enough time to do whatever you want to do yeah uh plane i actually think too is pretty attacker friendly as long as you're smart enough to not not get spawn peaked to be able to shut that down um if you can get inside it's like there's just no way to flank you really right so you can just push down the main way and if you could if you have the better push and attackers tend to have the more lethal gadgets and weapons then you know you're you're gonna be in a good spot there so those are the ones that i think are more attacker friendly um Will you fight me on any of those? No. Also, to flip this around, I mean, obviously, the most defender favorite are the ones that you pick first. But yeah, I think specifically bank and organ basement, just because it there's 
no vertical play really like other than the hatches there's no like get above you and shoot at you and then obviously there's no play from below right i think objectives like that where you just can't get attacked from below you don't have to worry about that and you can't get attacked from above they're so defender sided yeah you just have to worry about lateral play top side of consulate is similar too where it's like there's just not enough ways in yeah um that are like relatively safe I also think, and I can't defend it right, but Skyscraper Team Karaoke, if a team's defending that right, it is so hard to attack that site. It really is. Like, especially being so constricted as an attacker on the freaking balconies, people run out there all the time and get the silliest kills. I hate that map so much, <laughs> but I think that one is defender-sided if, if people know how to defend it. I yeah. it's really hard to attack. Yeah. Okay. Final question of the podcast. Rush17 asks, what can the dev team do to make Finca a more easy-to-understand operator? She is so complex, yet seems rarely picked. My preference would be to put Finca into a more medic role, allow Finca to heal teammates to a higher HP than the standard revive, and remove some of her other less-known interactions. You could even allow teammates who are being revived to have a temporary HP bump during the revive phase, making them more difficult to kill while being revived. So that's interesting. I think that changes who Finca is as an operator. Yeah. And so that's like a really big change. That's sort of like the change of making Blitz be able to sprint. Right. Uh, which, I mean, I think that's what they wanted Blitz to be really was a, a pusher. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really change his identity, but this would be a big change to Finca. I don't think it's bad, but it, it, like, it would be hard to convince anybody to make that happen because it is such a big change from what they wanted her to be. Yeah, I think... I think that's still almost just as confusing though, because it's still like, what exactly does she do? When exactly does her health, like, when's the best time to push the button? Like, I mean, so if it's simple enough that it's just like she can revive from afar and they get a twenty-five, like instead of reviving to twenty, she revives to sixty and they get a bonus twenty with the blue countdown thing that she gets right now. Like, if it's just that simple, I think that's totally yeah doable. Yeah. Um, the thing is, how useful is that really? I mean, Doc, as he is, his ability doesn't come into play that often. And he has the ability to heal people who are not downed, you know? So, like, I feel like Finca would struggle to be just that. But then, yeah. but then, like, do attackers get downed more often in places where they're safe to get up than defenders, maybe? Because maybe they get downed, like, outside where you can't get to them. What if she did this? What if instead of, like... All the stuff she does now, instead of all of that, take it all away. Her little nanobots that inject or whatever, they just go to their head and like reinforce their skull. Ooh. So you can't one shot headshot them. So she just gives out helmets. Yeah. <laughs> That's an awful idea. No, it's not good. Um, I, I mean, I kind of like the idea of, of a medic on attack. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think Finca should think probably it, go a different way. Yeah, it needs another person for that. Um, but then again, it's like on attack, it's even harder to have like a doc type person because it's like you're so spread out and just your chances of getting someone to someone is so hard. Yeah. I, I guess the other thing I would say is that like, while Finca has a lot of stuff going on when you push her gadget button, I don't think she's particularly difficult to understand. Yeah. Like the simple concept is when we're attacking, push my button Yeah, and team gets buffed and like it's what her buff does and everything. That's that's where it's confusing. It's like right. Exactly. It's like okay. Is that, does it make me faster? I can't remember. Or does it like? Yeah. I mean, what it does is it increases your health and makes your gun steadier. Yeah. That's basically it. Can revive people. And it can revive people. There was something else in there, but it might have been. Oh, there was. It, it reduced the uh, 
the stun effect or oh, something. Yeah, it reduces like stun effect. I don't know if it still does because they changed it. Stuff. I don't think it still does that. And now yeah. what it does is like it increases your damage from smoke and and goo mines and stuff because your heart's supposed to be beating faster. Yeah, see, like it does get confusing. so now it does get confusing. But but I think but I think the concept is not confusing. Yeah, right. It's push button push to button buff. Yeah. Um. I I think the, the what they need to do to make it more easy to understand is they need to put in the game a place that describes yes. how the operator works with all exactly of the stats. Exactly how they work. Yep. Everything. All the numbers. All the values. All of it. That I think that's the fix for people like Finko. Agreed. Okay, so that will do it for today's listener questions. If you have your own questions, again, you can join us in the Discord. Just search Unrenowned Discord on Google and you'll find us. It's a great place to be. And you can follow each of us. Again, I'm Ryguy. He's just hello with three O's. Follow oh, us on oh, all oh. the platforms. And Instagram. And Instagram. At just Gustavus. Yeah. Remember when we say, Ryan, next week's episode is going to be a shorter episode because, or we say this episode is going to be a shorter one because. We're, I mean, our recording timer is at 147 right now. <laughs> it's never so. We have had short episodes. This we've, is about one of we've them. We've had the one that was like 25 minutes. That's because that got released. We did it. The shortest episode of all time. It. Yeah. But like most of the time when we say that, I don't think it ever is because I hear us say that and I look at the time I'm like, this is not short. I don't think we said this one was going to be short. We said it last week, I think. We said it's going to be a shorter one because it's just going to be spotlights and some questions. There you go. Because we're out of town. Not short. Anyway. We don't fail to impress. No, we don't. Um, I come to play, boys. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll have a new episode for you next Friday. Just goodbye.